0: Would you turn to Psalm 106, Psalm 106, you'll find it page 694, 695, if you're using the Bible under the seat in front of you. be looking at verses 7 through 13 of Psalm 106, Father we ask your blessing now. Upon your word, we pray that you would remind us of great things, encourage the souls of your people. Get us back on track if we need to get back on track. Do your work in our hearts, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, in studying the life of Moses like uh, we're doing here on Sunday mornings, you have to consider... uh, One of the greatest miracles, really, recorded in all of Scripture. And, of course, I'm speaking of the crossing of the Red Sea. Just an incredible story. You may have heard of the little boy who came home from Sunday school. His parents asked what he learned. And he said, we learned about the Exodus. And they asked him to, well, tell tell us what you learned. And he says, well, the Israelites got out of Egypt. But Pharaoh and his army chased after them. The Egyptian army was getting closer and closer, so Moses got on his walkie-talkie and told the Israeli Air Force to bomb the Egyptians. (laughs) While that was happening, the Israeli Navy built a pontoon bridge so the people could cross over. Once Moses and the Israelites got safely to the other side, they blew up the bridge while the Egyptians were trying to cross. By now, Dad is shocked. Is that what the teacher told you? Well, no, not exactly, but you'd never believe the story she told. (laughs) It is an amazing story, and it's a true miracle of the Lord, and it's a defining moment for the nation of Israel. That miracle established the nation of Israel as the living nation of the living God, and it's such an important miracle. It shows up. Over a hundred times in the Old Testament, it's referenced several times in the New Testament. So, all the details of that miracle are recorded in Exodus chapter 14, but I've chosen to consider a psalm that was written hundreds of years after the event, looking back at the event, giving us a slightly different perspective. On it. So look how it's recorded here in Psalm 106, beginning in verse 7. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders, they did not remember the multitude of your mercies, but rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Nevertheless, He saved them for his name's sake, that he might make his mighty power known. He rebuked the Red Sea also, and it dried up. So he led them through the depths as through the wilderness. He saved them from the hand of him who hated them, and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. The waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left." Now, there's an interesting detail that you notice in verse 7, and I'm not sure many of you guys realize this, but it says in verse 7 that there was rebellion in the hearts of the children of Israel on the shores of the Red Sea. It says they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. They rebelled against Moses. They rebelled against God. It was an ugly scene there. At those shores. So you remember the story when uh, God led the nation of Israel out of Egypt. He led them cloud by day, pillar of fire by night, and he took them kind of on an odd way. The short way was right across the land of the Philistines on your way to the promised land. It would have been short. God took them the long way, out of the way, downward by the way of the wilderness area of the Red Sea. It looked weird. It was confusing. Pharaoh. He got word of their movement. He thought maybe these Israelites don't know what they're doing. And he began to second guess his decision to let the children of Israel go. And he decided, you know what? I just let my whole workforce go. So he assembled all of his military. All of his chariots. His army. And they took off after the Hebrew people and then God led his people into a place of vulnerability this natural cul-de-sac camped right in front on the shore of the Red Sea a, a mountain range to the north a mountain range to the south pinned in and sure enough Pharaoh and those armies they came in they rushed and they pinned the Israelites inside that little area it was almost like a trap Well, the Israelites were terrified. They cried out. They were scared. But in that situation, they also rebelled. In fact, they said some very ugly things to Moses. They said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word we told you in Egypt saying let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? Would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. Now those are ugly words. Those are faithless words. Those are thankless words. That's lashing out at God. That's lashing out at Moses. Now you can understand they're afraid, but that's uncalled for to talk like that. And actually, verse 7 tells us what was actually the real root behind their rebellion. Their rebellion was directly related to memory loss. Verse 7 says, Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember the multitude of your mercies. They forgot. They forgot what God had done the prior nine months. God had fought for Israel in Egypt. God pummeled Egypt with those ten plagues, you remember. The water into blood, the frogs, the boils, the events of Passover night. God showed his people without any shadow of a doubt that he was more powerful than Pharaoh, than the Egyptians, than all of that. And now, here they are on the shore, they get in this tough spot, they've forgotten all that, and they rebel. Oh, the sinful rebellion of the human heart. There they are, questioning God, mad at God. Why did you take us out of Egypt? Well, I love that first word in verse 8. Nevertheless, he saved them for his name's sake. Nevertheless, despite their rebellion... Despite their horrible attitude, nevertheless, God saved them for his own glory, for his own power. God was revealing his own power. You know the story. Uh, God wasn't bringing his people into a trap. God was bringing Pharaoh into a trap, right? And God was going to show his great power. And the Lord did Stunning things on that night. Exodus 14 tells us all the stories. One of my favorite details is as the Egyptians are closing in, their armies closing in, God in the pillar of fire moves and stations himself right between the Egyptians and the Hebrews. I love that story. God became a shield to them. Scripture says there that on the Egyptian side of that pillar it was dark. On the Hebrew side of that pillow pillar, it was light. And then God said to Moses, "Lift out your, your staff, and I'm going to do something amazing." And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. God parted the Red Sea miraculously. Now, you'll read commentaries. You'll read, people try to come up with natural explanations for this. They're all laughable. God did a miracle. It's easier for God to part water than it is for you to part your own hair. He can do whatever he wants. He can make water move. And he did it that night. And they walk through on dry land. And then just at the right time, the pillar of fire goes up, allowing the Egyptians to come in. And they start chasing and they... They almost catch up with the Hebrews. And remember the scripture says that God begins fighting for his people. He begins knocking the wheels off their chariots. Finally, the Hebrews, they go through. And as they get safely to the other side, Moses lifts his staff up against the waters. And the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained. God squashed the enemy. I love what it says there in verse 10. He saved them from the hand of him who hated them and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. So they cross. And then notice their attitude in verse 12. Verse 12 says, Then they believed his words and they sang his praise. Much different from verse 7, right? Verse 7, they're complaining, they're murmuring, they're rebelling. Then we see this great miracle. And it says, They believed his words. They sang his praise. There was a great celebration. In Exodus chapter 15, after this miracle occurs, we find out that Moses was a worship leader and he leads two and a half million people in a worship song. His older sister Miriam gets out the tambourine. There's dancing, there's celebration. The song goes, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider, he is thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. He's become my salvation. He's my God. I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders do you picture this incredible celebration gratitude in the heart strengthened faith all oh, they've seen that's what happens when you see a miracle that's what should happen when salvation comes it increases your faith you sing his praise and you know what? That's where it should remain. God's people should never move from that wonderful state of belief and faith and thanksgiving and praise. You should never, never leave from that. But look at the sad verse in verse 13. We'll start in verse 12 so you get it. Then they believed his words. They sang his praise after the miracle. In verse 13, they soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel. They forgot. And how quickly we forget. This psalm goes on to explain what happened after this. You know, the red crossing of the Red Sea lost its luster. You know, it's, it's the past. They moved on. They started dealing with, oh, different issues, you know, like what to eat, what to drink, all these little things about living in life. And they began murmuring and complaining. No more worship. No more belief. They forgot. So on, on the one side of the Red Sea, they forgot the nine months of plagues, They're complaining. Then God opens the Red Sea and they go across the Red Sea. And after that happens, later on, they forget that. And the whole point of this psalm, the psalmist is writing this psalm as a rebuke to the nation of Israel. He says, nation of Israel, you always forget. God does all these miracles in your life. He blows your mind. And you forget, and you rebel, and you murmur, and you complain, how quickly we forget. It's hard to believe that we're about to reach the 22nd anniversary of the terrorist attacks of 9-11. Wow, what a day. Never forget that moment. Do you remember what happened that night on the steps of the Capitol? Congress, both Democrat and Republicans, prayed, saying, God bless America. Churches across America were filled, they were packed. People returning to Christ, a unity in our country like you've never seen. How soon we forget quickly it is to see God do so to see this miracle in life and then to walk and move forward and it loses its luster now the Red Sea crossing is definitely one of the greatest miracles in the Bible but it's not the greatest miracle the greatest miracle is the conversion of a soul it's when God changes a person's life forever when a person realizes that They're sinful and they give their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And they contemplate Jesus leaving heaven, becoming man, dying on the cross, rising again the third day. You do that and your whole life is changed. You're released from the kingdom of darkness. That's the greatest miracle. And you know what? The crossing of the Red Sea is a picture of what happens to you at salvation. It's a really good example. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul makes that connection. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. You can see that there was a kind of a baptism back then in that story, and it's likened to the baptism that you experience here, the salvation experience that you have and it really is crossing the red sea is a great illustration this is a great picture that i use i can't tell you how many times i've drawn this out on a napkin at a coffee shop sharing the gospel it shows our separation from god we're born into this world sinful We reside on the fearful, rebellious side of the Red Sea. We've all sinned. We've fallen short of the glory of God. And because of sin, there's death and destruction. And we're separated from the God who loves us and made us because God is holy. He's without sin. And there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. But God moves in history. He provides his son, the Lord Jesus. Romans 5 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You could use the word nevertheless there. Nevertheless, God demonstrates his own love towards us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us when we didn't deserve it, our sins were placed upon him. He rose again the third day. That is the greatest miracle in all of history. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. The sacrifice that he paid for our sins. And when you put your faith and trust in him, you're saved. You cross over. Jesus said in John 5, Most assuredly, I say to you, He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but has passed from death into life. Listen, when you give your life to Jesus, you cross over. Jesus is the bridge. You put your faith in him and you cross over. You become one of God's people. Everything becomes brand new. You are born again. It's the greatest miracle. I still remember when I got saved. You know, I got saved at the age of seven at a Billy Graham crusade in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I can remember getting out of my seat, walking down the stairs, walking up in the aisle, and as a little kid falling on my face before God, recognizing that I'm a sinner and that I needed to be forgiven and putting my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he changed my life. It is a spectacular thing. Many of you here, hopefully most of you, have a testimony when you met Jesus and how it changed your life incredibly. Listen, don't forget that miracle. Don't forget. How quickly we forget. The Israelites forgot the crossing of the Red Sea. Even the church would forget some of these things. Paul the Apostle plants this wonderful church in Ephesus. Later on, like within 50, 60 years, Jesus writes the church of Ephesus a letter in the opening chapters of Revelation. And he says to this church, You're busy, you're doing awesome things, that's cool, but I have this against you. You left your first love. The joy of your salvation is gone. Don't forget. Verse 13 is an incredibly sad song. Or a sad verse. Look at it. They soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel. Don't ever let your life get to verse 13. Don't go there. Stay... In verse 12. Stay in verse 12. Then they believed his words and they sang his praise. Stay there. Don't ever go to verse 13. Look more closely at verse 12. It says, they believed his words. They believed his words. They saw the miracle and they believed his words. Their faith was expounded. Their faith grew. They, their, their knowledge and appreciation of the word absolutely changed. And it was consistent at that point. Can I just say this? It's so important. If you want to stay put, if you want to remain true, keep the word of God as a consistent practice in your life. Study the Bible regularly regularly. Read the scripture. Because I'm telling you, as you read the scripture every day, you'll be reminded of your salvation. It'll keep that pop, it'll keep it fresh. The word of God absolutely changes you and instructs you every day. Psalm 19 The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. All the money in the world is not worth it. Not even compared to the word of God. Sweeter also than honey And the honeycomb, moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Stay in verse 12. Believe the word of God, stay in it. Now, I I will say this. I shared this with our Wednesday night uh, crew a couple weeks ago. Your life will totally change the day you decide as a Christian to consistently read the Bible for yourself. Your whole life will change. You know, I'm not sure on all the stats on this, but I do know this. There are a lot of people in the church, a lot of people who have become Christians, and they've never read the Bible. They want other people to read the Bible to them. Or hear somebody explain the Bible. Listen, there is nothing, nothing like reading the Bible for yourself. It keeps it all fresh. Man, so you read through a book like Romans, and you begin to learn about things like redemption and justification, sanctification righteousness by faith, grace. You read about that and you find out each morning what God did for you at the cross, oh boy. You find out in the scripture how the Lord wants you to live day by day in the power of the Holy Spirit. It keeps it fresh. I'm telling you nothing will change your life. We're having elders give their testimonies on our Wednesday night communion services and I've heard a lot of Testimonies and, and one of the main things you'll hear. I was a Christian for years. But when I finally began to read the Bible for myself, everything changed. And I promise you, everything changes. That's how it happened with me. It electrifies. God speaks to you. God's word reminds you. It reminds you of the wonders of salvation and the ramifications of it to your life. It'll change your life. Verse 12 also says they believed his words and they sang his praise. They sang his praise. Stay there. Don't ever let the praises of the Lord leave your lips. Keep his songs in your heart, on your mind, singing them. You know, there's a good reason why churches throughout church history, including this one, spend a lot of time in music and worship and praise. We do it for a reason. Because it can be a corporate reminder as we sing the praise together, we're reminding ourselves of these wonderful truths of God and who he is. And it becomes something that you can hum and think about. And remember, keep the praises of the Lord upon your lips. Did you know there was singing when God created all things? When God was creating all Job 38.7 says, The morning stars sang together, and all the angels shouted for joy. I love that. While, while God was creating, the angels were singing. Whenever God does something amazing in Scripture, the response is singing. They cross the Red Sea. They're singing. When Israel defeated Jabin and Caesarea in Judges chapter 5, The great prophetess named Deborah and Barak, they sang. King David sang when God delivered him from his enemies. He wrote many psalms about them that they sang in the temple week in and week out. The Israelites sang on their way to celebrate Passover. The Israelites, when they came home from exile, they went singing on their way. God sent his son into the world and the angels sang with Mary, Zechariah, Simeon and others joining the chorus. And the constant practice throughout church history has been when Christians get together, they sing Colossians chapter 3 verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. In heaven, they're singing. The angels are singing. The song of the Lamb continues forever. We sing. We keep those praises on our lips. Now, some of you, I can just hear, you're not... Musically inclined. You have a hard time singing on key. Listen, I get it. I get it. But in our worship services, you can still participate. You can pray. You can listen to the lyrics and think about the lyrics. And give Lord, the Lord that praise. You may not be able to play an instrument. But I'll bet you can play a CD. Or push a button on your radio. My brother and sister in Christ, can I encourage you something? Let praise and worship be the soundtrack of your life. Of your life. Let the praises of the Lord fill your cars, your homes, your nurseries, your places of business. It keeps it fresh. It's so you don't forget. Again, I've heard many testimonies. Big thing. When they come to Christ, that's the hugest. When they start reading the Bible for themselves, that's big. There's another big thing. When people decide, you know what? I'm going to turn off a lot of the secular music. And I'm going to fill my mind with good things. I I, I encourage you that. Now, I'm not saying you can never listen to secular music. Except, I mean, people who listen to country music all day they're going to become depressed alcoholics, right? (laughs) You've heard the joke about country music. If you play country music backwards, you get your house back, your dog, (laughs) your truck, your wife, your girlfriend. What you listen to, what you listen to impacts. It creates sort of the atmosphere for your life. It's the environment in which you live. Oh, my friend, do whatever it takes, never, ever to forget that, that moment when you gave your life to Jesus Christ and everything changed. I don't care how long you've been a Christian, never forget that miracle. And you know what? Remembering that miracle, whether it's through praise or, or studying the Bible, you know what it really, what it really does is it, it produces that gratitude in you, that gratefulness. Time and time again, the Hebrews, they forget. And what do they do in the wilderness? They're murmuring. They're complaining. They forget. And, 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 if, and if we forget what God has done for us, we'll do the same thing, man. We need to have lives filled with gratefulness. In fact, one author said, and I agree with him, he said, gratitude is the pivot point in life. I'll say that again. Gratitude is the pivot point in your life. All of your life turns on your gratitude. He goes on to say, how grateful we are is the key to understanding what we really believe about God What we really believe about ourselves and what we really believe about the world we experience, it all hinges on gratefulness. How grateful are you? You know, you can face any kind of difficulty in this world as a Christian. But if you're saved, if you've experienced the miracle of new birth, you can be grateful. And know that God is going to get you through whatever. He'll use it all for your good. And heaven awaits, my friend. Don't forget. Picture yourself in this situation. You've served a long time on death row in a dark and dank medieval dungeon. Your execution is imminent. You smell. No, you stink. It's too dark to see. What must you look like? Your clothing long ago turned to filthy rags and the slimy stone cell reeks of filth. A day arrives when you hear the footsteps of a guard approaching. A key rattles in the lock. The door swings open. The guard growls. Somebody's paid your ransom. You're free. What? As you stumble up the steps out of the dungeon, you turn to ask him, Ransom? What was the ransom price he paid? The guard mutters, Your ransomer had to die in your place. When will that happen, you ask? It's done. He waves his hand to keep you climbing the stone stairs. Stunned, you move toward the last doorway to the outside, where you ask one more question. How did he die? He died the way he knew he would, the guard replies. He was butchered alive. That's the story of the Christian faith. Wouldn't a proper response be to be thankfulness multiplied exponentially by amazement? That's how we live. Thankfulness multiplied exponentially with amazement for what God has done for you. And you never forget it. That'll keep you serving the Lord like you know you should. That'll keep you from complaining. It is the miracle to remember. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Lord, forgive us for forgetting easily all that you've done. And so many times we gripe, we moan. We complain, we get bad attitudes, we get rebellious, we get ugly, simply because we forget how much you truly love us, how much you've done for us. We lose sight. And so, Lord, help us not to. And I pray, Lord, I pray for anyone here this morning who has walked away, who's sort of forgotten what you've done. I pray that you'd bring bring that person back. Restore the joy of thy salvation. Lord, for those who need to, I pray that we would return to the first love. Be our first love. Be reminded of those precious days when we gave our lives to you. How you changed us. I pray that we'd be reminded daily in your word and that your praise would never leave our lips. That would motivate us each day to serve you the way we know we should. And then Lord, I want to pray for anyone here this morning who is not certain of salvation. Maybe you're here and you're just not sure you've ever had that miraculous experience where you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior and you know that your sins were washed away. You became a brand new person. Do you realize that Christ died for you on the cross? Your sins were placed on Christ. He died in your place. And on the third day, he rose again. It's miraculous. And he's alive. And if you put your faith and trust in him, all your sins will be forgiven. You will become brand new. You'll be changed. If you've never done that, do that right now. And I'll lead you in a prayer right now. It's, it's through a prayer. You ask the Lord to save you. Cry, just cry out to him in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I, I put my faith and my trust in you. Save me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins and rising again. Wash away all my sins. I want to cross over, Lord, into your kingdom. I want to belong to you. Nobody else. I want to belong to you. save me forgive me and may I never forget this day may I use every day every breath to serve you to be a witness for you father I pray that prayer for all of us in Jesus name amen